0: Hello, and welcome to the Women in Safety podcast, a place of conversations to empower and inspire you to transform your career. I'm your host, Alana Ball, and we're here today to cut through some of the BS of health and safety. I wanna be real, authentic, and most of all, think critically about what we learn, what we hear, and how we experience things in our journey. I want you to take this time for yourself. Reconnect with your passion, reconnect with your career, and join us as we grow together. So settle in and see where this episode transforms you. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for the Women in Safety podcast. I'm joined today by Angela Moore. Now, you know, for me, I'm all about sharing stories, experiences, different backgrounds. We all get into safety at some point and the different stories and journeys we shared are really exciting. So thank you for joining us today, Angela.
1: Thank you for having me. Excellent. Um, it's great to hear other people's stories as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's something that uh, certainly our members really connect with. So thank you for giving the time to share your story. So I guess let's let's hear about your story. How did you, and I like to say fall into safety, because many of us fall into <laughs> safety. But what was your journey into
1: well, health yes, and safety? Same analogy. Yeah. yeah. For that same analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, I did. I did actually fall in. It's not something I ever thought or chose to do. Uh, 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 I started my career in studying the hospitality um, and I very much wanted to get into the event industry and uh, my dream job came up to be an operations coordinator at the Melbourne at the time, the Melbourne Exhibition and Convention Centre, which is obviously twisted around now. and it's just just an absolute dream role. Uh, so eventually, that that role kept growing and growing and growing. Uh, so they split it into, and I became safety because uh, there was a very large safety component of that uh, operations manager role, um, dealing with uh, running loading docks, forklifts, a lot of traffic movement, a lot of people movement.
0: I can um, can only like imagine. So, uh, yeah, I've been I've been to a couple of events there and. It's it's quite the, you know, and you you get in there and you're like room, hall, and there's, it feels like at the time, kilometres of walking to get to where you're going. So I can imagine the back end of what that might look like. Could well, be that the exhibition
1: building is one kilometre long.
0: Yeah, right. Well, I was right.
1: 30,000 30, square metres of concrete floor space. potentially oh, be broken yeah. into 10, 10 holes. Far out. That's
0: crazy, isn't it? And, I've got heaps of other stats for you. <laughs> oh, God, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Now, tell us about, I guess, some of what What are some of those, you know, skills that you learned there coming from that operational into safety. I'm sure there was some really nice kind of intertwining skills that you've taken on your journey. Um, tell us about some of those.
1: Yeah, I have, um, because I was still working in an operations environment, so The really big thing I took took from that first safety role was um, that simplicity is key. Uh, So safety itself is not complicated. There's one goal, get people home safe. So by putting in a lot of complex systems and things, which looks great on paper, but does the guy driving the forklift understand that? Mm. So I really took that from there because we'd have exhibitors come in who are Maori and Pa—they're just here to promote their small business. Mm. Oh, well, what do you mean? I can't walk in the hall with my thongs on. <laughs> so you kind of had to relate it back down to almost that level of how does it how does it apply to me? Mm. Um, so I certainly a lot of that and and really used it across all my other roles.
0: Yeah, that's really fascinating because I found. My introduction to safety a little bit similar in that we were dealing with uh, the locals in Papua New Guinea who, you know, English, certainly not their first language, haven't attended any formal schooling Uh, and we were literally breaking it down into almost kind of cartoons Uh, and at the time I was like, you know, 20-something-year-old arrogant, just finished uni and I must know it all, Um, swift kick up the ass that was. But what it taught me is we could make safety absolutely basic and we still could get people home safe. We didn't need this complexity on complexity. Uh, How do we get it to people who can't read, write, you know, we've got English barriers and all the rest. So, yeah, I I really resonate with that. Uh, was there any others that I guess you, you carried through? Because I would imagine it would be quite a fast-paced kind of environment that you're working in and, you know, general public. You've got, as you said, the Ma and Pa doing, doing showcases versus some, no doubt, much larger scale kind of things. Uh what are some of those other skills that you've brought through?
1: Really an um, almost an understanding of, of not compromising on safety, but being really agile with how we get to the right point, but we still got to open the door all the time mm. um, and it's, that comes across to any operations environment, whether it be manufacturing, transport, logistics, or anything like that, you, you still have customers that you have their needs that, need, that have, have to be met, but how do we do it without shutting down the door and not meeting our customer needs? um so yeah that was a one thing just that fl- having to be flexible and going okay all right we've got a problem here you have to go to the client in an event space and go here's our solution to get us there quickly not go well that's wrong because you know what they're not in that specialty or have the understanding of how it can easily be fixed
0: mm. but i think that element of uh and i know we've spoken about it before that element of uh businesses don't, this notion that it should be safety first, and look, I'm sure there'll be people who come after us for it because there's there's those in the world, but that notion n- that safety first should be the thing. Uh, I Look, I, I like to think that it's slowly dying, That no business gets into business to do safety first. They get into business to do the task that they're really bloody good at doing, and I think as safety, we often yeah. forget that and we... Uh, I guess sometimes I think it is getting that ego in the way that, hang on, what I do is really important, and safety is bloody important, but they've got into business because they want to be successful at business, and how do we show them Mm -hmm. that we can intertwine safety rather than it being safety first? It's like, no, well, operations come first, because without operations... You know, and the people,
1: again. You don't have a job. Hurt.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it's like if they didn't get into business to just worry about the swims or just worry about the contractor engagement, uh, and I think that's what's often forgotten.
1: And that's where you need to kind of build that culture. Um, I remember the regular contractors that would come on site and everything. They kind of, I think they used the term one of them told me was, I was hard but fair. Yeah. Um, which meant that. And my CEO at my present business, he goes, you're you're getting cut through, which we want, but it's not that real hard. We're also simplifying things. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm getting the cut through is because we're making it simple. Mm -hmm. And it's that real, this is just the way that we do it. I changed the terminology of, I never use the term unsafe. It's a bit like no one ever comes to work to work unsafely. No. They put themselves at risk though. So that's I've changed that language in this like wherever I go to like no they're not being unsafe it because some people can use unsafe as a hammer over their head, yeah, um, yeah, so but you're putting yourself at risk there, and this is why you're putting yourself at risk So and <laughs> I think really open both safety conversations peer on peer and and therefore it is becoming part of the network and a nature of how they do their jobs,
0: but that's where I see uh and I always liken health and safety to driving a car because there's a whole heap of rules that if you don't follow in health and safety, uh, one, the police will you, slash in safety from a regulator and or the risk of doing it poorly can end pretty badly, speeding, no seatbelts, you know, cutting in and out of traffic, all the rest. Uh, yet innately, I would say 90% of us follow the rules the, the caveat to that is the driving, say, a little bit over the speed limit. So, you know, you know the road, you know the conditions, you know that it says 60, but you know that stretch of road, it's 1am, there's no cars, you feel confident to do it at X. And it's about that measured risk. And I feel like when we step into the workplace, so often we forget that measured risk piece. Uh, and I get, again, you know, could possibly be slaughtered. But I do believe that We understand risk, but sometimes it's just about putting it, as you said, putting it back into the minds of those that we work with. And I love that simplification piece. I just, it's music to my ears.
1: Yeah, because I find sometimes like people write a hundred work instructions. Oh, but we've got all these work instructions, and so, but is it actually addressing the risk? Have you is it the right thing? Um, Yeah. Think about our hierarchy of control. There's an engineering that could be much better than the work instruction. So, mm. work instruction means nothing if it's not actually going to solve the problem. You are still relying on somebody following that work instruction. Mm. Um, so, but just looking at that risk and that it's a bit. Sometimes you can have the pyramid upside down when you've got all of these things, but you haven't built that foundation. Mm. What are our actual risks? Yeah, so you need to kind of flip your triangle. Um, in some respects. Give yourself a solid base of understanding your risks and how you're going to mitigate.
0: Them. Yeah, and that's what I think a lot of organisations forget is that pause. We all know how to manage risk. You know the concept is the same. Let's step it all the way back and add that risk lens to what we do. Identify it, assess what's going on, where's it appearing, apply the controls, and move on. Uh, because yeah. I think, I think yeah, you're right. And I like that analogy of it, you know, if we flip that the triangle that we haven't built that solid foundation that, you know, if you're just sitting on this this pointy tip, how how solid is that? Yeah, 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 I really like that. Yeah.
1: Well, it's not on purpose by businesses. It's, um, sometimes it happens this way organically because of a lack of resources. Um, oh, and I'm so like... they, they kind of just jump straight to the end because that's the – easiest route.
0: Mm. That's something I I certainly have found, um, you know, this first kind of 12 months in business for myself. I I like to think I'm good at what I do job wise, but I don't know how to run a business. You know, I'm learning on the fly. And, you know, we expect these leaders to know how to be leaders, uh, but they're learning on the fly as well. So when it comes to understanding this kind of corporate risk or that overarching risk, we really need to you know, where's that education piece for them as well because they're good at, they started their job, they started their business because they're good at what they do in that particular field but maybe not so good on that business front. So I totally hear you on that. So what's the next, I guess, 12 months of challenges for you look like? What's what's your area of growth or challenges? What's Angela doing um, this year?
1: Again, more of that simplification. I've, I've been in this particular business for now for a couple of years. I came on in the middle of COVID. Um, so thankfully I had some uh, like um similar experience in in a diff- I mean agriculture yeah so I had had experience in agriculture in a different business so it allowed me to come on board easily. Mm. the first thing I noticed um, was very much about they'd built a rod to their own back by making it really complicated policies and procedures and processes. So there's a lot more of working through simplifying some of those things so, permit to work system and isolations has become unwieldy and people aren't following the right process because they don't understand it so Mm. trying to simplify those processes to make sure that it's understood and followed because they're the type of things that if that goes wrong it goes really wrong
0: yeah definitely
1: i know i get overwhelmed sometimes (laughs) with how much is on my plate um luckily i have a very supportive executive and Mm. a very supportive boss who it's like it shouldn't be all on you. So we're trying. We're we're actually putting our network together. Yeah, nice or, uh, across across all the functions in our business to help support. And it's also about sharing knowledge as well. Wow. Yeah, I love that because there's a very big risk. We've we've implemented a, an online compliance system, but the risk is at the moment I'm the only one that understands it. Mm. So however. It's a risk to the business.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think that collaboration piece is not uh, done well in many organisations that, you know, especially where you've got multi-site and it's like the risk could really appear on any of these sites. And uh, I know in health and safety, like, you know, the Women in Safety group is just one of them where bringing to life some of these stories and experiences to say you're not the only one that's gone through this or had this yeah. risk or had this process or implemented this particular thing and and same with on site you know you're not the only site that's had it so I love that collaboration is definitely at the fore for you guys this year
1: that collaboration also falls into that consultation piece that we yeah have to do as businesses um so it's it's the same basket
0: yeah definitely Uh, and so thinking about that next generation because anyone who knows me knows that I I like to think that the next generation of safety uh, professionals doesn't have to have it quite as hard as we may have had it in our own journeys what's your piece of advice for that next generation Angela?
1: Well obviously it started out in hospitality that events and I continued into different events and then I was in aged care and, and agriculture and I've Done um, uh, some work with universities, and that. the the biggest thing I can um, suggest is get across as many industries as you can. Because sometimes you can end up pigeonholed, and you're not you stop learning. Um, so, because every new industry you go into, you have to go, okay, what I what do I take from this? Yeah. Even in agriculture, I take a lot of the stuff I come in with fresh ideas in agriculture because I come from a different industry. So, therefore. You, you get that different view and think, "Oh, well, the competition does this, so we should be doing this." Um, it kind of removes a lot of that, that and, and keeps your ideas fresh.
0: Yeah, I really think, you know, they, I've worked with so many professionals that do just get in an organisation and forget to look outside. And I'm a big believer in there is no best practice. So even if you think your system's best practice, there should always be better practice. Because I think there's somewhere yes. an element that we can always do better. Uh, yeah, and I think that's just,
1: new technology. It's, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I think some people are very hesitant to look over the over the fence to see what the neighbours are doing uh, and what can we learn from it. So I think that's a really valuable yeah. tip for those coming into it. Um,
1: but, but that's really networks like what you've You've set up really yeah. us too because we we do learn. It gives us an opportunity to look over the fence and and as you said, go oh we're actually we're not alone in this. Somebody else yeah. is suffering and the same thinking. Oh, that's someone I can go to to learn a little bit more about what they're doing.
0: Yeah, well, that's, so we appreciate that's, it. That's why I started it because I literally just wanted that space to be like, surely I can't be the only one that's experienced this. So, um, thank you. Well, thank you for your time, Angela. I won't keep you any longer. I hope everyone has enjoyed our chat with Angela today. I know I have. I think. For me, some of those key takeaways has to be that collaboration piece because uh, I love collaboration at the best of times and that continued learning because, again, that is, you know, that's the podcast, that's what we do at Women in Safety. So thank you, Angela, for your time. Thank you for sharing your journey. Thank and you have I- me. I hope people connect with it like I have. I will drop Angela's uh, LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So if you do want to connect with Ange and have a chat with anything that she's doing, please do. I know she'd be uh, more than happy to have a chat.
1: Must definitely. Thank you for your time today and let me share my story.
0: No dramas. Wow, what an episode. If you loved today's episode just as much as I did, we'd love to hear your feedback or even better, share it with your friends, your colleagues and other safety sisters or safety misters so they too feel empowered and inspired. We will catch you for another conversation next time and we hope in the meantime, you start implementing some things to transform your career.